Are you juggling the demands of a full schedule with work, family, service, and you just feel as if something's missing? You're doing your best, but you may feel as if you're stuck in a cycle in which what is truly important stays on the back burner as you just tend to the urgency of day-to-day -day life. Whether you're a leader of an organization, department in an organization, you run a business, you're a teacher in a classroom, or you run your household. Today, we are speaking with Janice Martirano, who has been a strategic leader for many, many years. She worked with General Mills for close to 15 years and is founder and executive director of the Institute for Mindful Leadership, a nonprofit dedicated to training and supporting leaders in the exploration of mindfulness and leadership excellence. She's the author of the new book, Finding the Space to Lead, a Practical Guide to Mindful Leadership. Her work has been featured on the BBC, Huffington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, as well as the Davos Economic Forum in the winter of 2013. Janice Mortorano, I am thrilled to have you today on Health Currents Radio. Welcome. Thank you so much, Alan. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to start with the question that probably people have in their minds right now. What does mindful leadership mean, and why is it really important in this day and age? Mindful leadership is about bringing our full and complete self, all of our capabilities, to each moment of our lives. And as we do so, we have the spaciousness to make more conscious choices about what we do next, what we do in this moment. And mindful leadership in particular cultivates four qualities that we all have innately and yet they are qualities that are not well cultivated. And those are? The four qualities are focus, clarity, creativity, and compassion. So can you talk a little bit about those qualities? Because you, you talk about them quite a bit in your book, and they're quite inspiring, and they each have their own uh, realm that they live in. So let's begin with focus. Most of us can relate to a situation where we really are trying to pay attention either to someone or to finish a report or to finish reading something. And yet we notice that even with our best intention to stay focused, our mind jumps away. It flits off. It's distracted by every little sound or the ping on our phone or on our computers or just distracted by our own internal talking, our own internal dialogue that pulls us away from being in this moment. And much of that is because of the environment of the 21st century that we all live in. We're constantly being bombarded with things that distract us. And so our mind gets very accustomed to flitting around. And when we try to sustain attention, it's a very difficult task. It is, and, and, and it's crucial to the choices and decisions, I would assume, that we make in positions of leadership. And in all parts of our lives. Absolutely. So when we're trying to have that conversation with our significant other, with our child or a good friend, and we need to pay attention, but pretty soon we realize we haven't really heard those last two sentences. We're losing something more than their words. We're actually losing our ability to connect. Absolutely. And that, and that connection, I know when someone is completely present with me in conversation, 
you, it just opens one up. There's this something that happens that's in, palpable but indescribable. That's right, because presence is felt. It is. And absolutely. when we talk about mindful leadership, we're talking about cultivating leadership presence. And it is felt whether you're one-on-one or you're standing in front of an auditorium of thousands. And let's move on to clarity. So clarity is about us beginning to notice our own filters, the many ways that we are often so conditioned or sometimes so much of our day is spent on autopilot that we react rather than actually see what's here. We assume things or we expect something to be here. And so as a result, we are not seeing with clarity what's actually here, which of course has great ramifications for our ability to respond appropriately in that moment. In the business world, that is critically important because if you are assuming that things are the same this year as they were last year, and you're not able to see what's actually here, but instead you react with knowledge from the past, even if it's just last year, you could be making a very inappropriate or not not optimal uh, choice for your business. And it seems also at that point that you're really uh, limiting the possible for innovation and creativity, which is the, the next element that you talked about. Yes, and so creativity arises and innovation arises from the spaciousness in our mind. And when we are on a constant treadmill, we go into this autopilot mode, there's virtually no room for that kind of spaciousness needed for innovation and creativity. You talk about space a lot. In fact, the title of your book, Finding the Space to Lead. Uh, So This seems to be a a very strong theme in people's lives. There's never enough time. There's never enough space. Right. When In the beginning years, when I began to teach mindful leadership curriculum, which was combining both mindfulness and leadership excellence, very often I'd hear people say, you know, I know I'm doing fine. You know, I I meet my objectives. You know, family's doing okay. But I have this nagging sense that, I know I could do better. I know I could bring more. I know there's just, I could be more creative. I could be more connected. I could be more compassionate in these situations. And yet I feel like I'm not doing my best or I'm not my full and authentic self. And when I'd ask, well, what's missing? What do you need to get there? To to really feel like you're leading and living with excellence. What do you need? The most frequent answer by far is, I need some space. Mm -hmm. People weren't asking for more money or more resources or more people. They just knew very clearly that there just needed to be some spaciousness so I could make those conscious choices as opposed to reactions and autopilot. So, you know, as you're saying that, I'm taking a deep breath and trying to connect to the space inside of myself. And I know the biggest challenge we have, and especially for people who are in positions of leadership, is changing midstream, changing when the world is just going quickly and quickly and quickly, and and you have certain responsibilities and objectives and things you want to fulfill. And I wonder if you would share with our listeners some of the 
um, opportunities you, you, you can create actually within even a busy life to find some space for yourself. You talk about purposeful pauses. Right. So typically what happens, uh, I loved an expression that one of the participants used on a retreat I was teaching. She talked about her day as running the gauntlet. So she described it as, you know, the alarm goes off, I pop out of bed and I'm off. And I basically run this gauntlet all day long. I sort of get around lunchtime and I'm feeling like, well, I must be doing well because I'm pretty exhausted already. And my day has been filled, meetings and calls and all these things. And then I get to the evening, I go home, I've got a million things to do there. And then around 1130, I flop into bed, just waiting for that bell to ring again. Mm. Well, pretty soon, this ramps us up in such a way that physically and mentally, we are, it takes an enormous toll on us. And there's not really any way for this to not affect our performance and our health. And so the purposeful pauses are ways for us to reset in the middle of the day without needing to go to the gym, without needing to go find a meditation cushion. A purposeful pause is an invitation in mundane, routine things that you are going to do anyway to do some of this training of the mind during that moment. So as an example, if you're going to brush your teeth, you can use that brushing your teeth as a way to train the mind by bringing your attention to what is there to notice. So you're gonna listen to the sound of the water, you're gonna feel the bristles on your teeth, taste the toothpaste, whatever is there for you to notice. And every time your mind takes off to your to-do list, as soon as you notice it, you're gonna redirect it back to being in that present moment. It's this redirection back to the present using sensations of the body, especially in the beginning, that allows us to do that reset, that allows us to step off that running the gauntlet for just enough time to feel the breath sensations, to feel our body sensations, to allow the body and mind to rest. And then we start again. Instead of ramping up higher and higher and higher and higher and higher, and collapsing. Right, right. And it actually has a physiological impact on our, on our bodies and on our brains. Can you talk about that a little bit? I know you have uh, worked with neuroscientists and seen some of the benefits of, of mindfulness, et cetera. It does. Mindfulness has decades now of research, not only on our, our physiological uh, health, but now we're also seeing behavioral research, and the Institute has some behavioral research on its website. In fact, we're in a very short period of time as people learn to take these purposeful pauses, as they begin to train their minds and start to learn that it isn't just the way it is. You know, life is complex, absolutely. And this isn't about changing the world around you, it's about changing how you meet the complexity of your life. So we're expanding our repertoire of how we meet those moments. And rather than meeting them with high blood pressure and fast pulse rates and fast breath and all of those things, can we begin to notice when we need to take that purposeful pause because my heart is racing or my mind is racing and I can use my body sensations to begin to bring me back to this present moment 
where I'm going to have a little bit of that spaciousness in which I can make a conscious choice. Absolutely. And you came to this from your own experience, I read, of, of being completely overworked and overstretched and dealing with the death of your parents, etc. I mean, that's what got you to mindfulness. Maybe you could share that a little bit sure. with our listeners. Yes. So I was, like most of your listeners, I suspect, a 21st century juggler and had uh, I was vice president of General Mills, and I had uh, I was a wife and a mother and a community volunteer and the daughter of aging parents. And during an 18-month period of time when I was responsible for the clearance through the Federal Trade Commission of General Mills' acquisition of Pillsbury, a deal that required 12-hour days, seven days a week, um, and during that same period of time, I would lose both of my parents. So mm. a, a sort of a perfect storm of just how many things could come down at, at the same time. And at the end, when the deal went through, I had some more time to grieve my parents, yet I didn't bounce back. And what I would learn later from some of my neuroscience friends um, is that you reach a point where you're so depleted, your mental resiliency is so depleted that there virtually is nothing left. And it's very hard for us to um, then find, kind of go back into our regular routine. So although on the outside I was juggling, I was profoundly aware that something was missing, that some part of me was missing. And it was through this training of the mind that I learned uh, from John Kabat-Zinn initially, uh, I began to realize first how much of my life I was on autopilot and how much I was missing because I wasn't trained in this uh, ability to be more present and to make more conscious choices. And so that began my journey with mindfulness. And a few years later, I began to combine mindfulness with leadership development and began to, to teach mindful leadership, uh, first at General Mills and then around the world. How did it impact when you started practicing mindfulness after you studied with John Kabat-Zinn and you came back to your work and your life, which was still there, how did you, what kind of changes did you notice in your own life, in your own style of leadership and uh, working in, in a large corporate organization. How, what did you notice about that? You know, uh, the very first thing that I began to notice was how many times in my day I wasn't present. And I was pretty oblivious to that beforehand. And so I would very quickly begin to see those times when I was sitting in a meeting and I would noticed that my body was sitting in that meeting, but my mind was actually back at the conversation I had with my son before he went to school, or uh, I was worried about my two o'clock presentation. So that was one of the first things. Another thing that I noticed early on was I had many, many days uh, when I would look at my watch, see it's six o'clock and wonder, where did the day go? Yes. How did that happen? And what I began to notice actually just a few months into my training in mindfulness was that I had very few of those days anymore. 
And that was another big shift for me because what I started to notice as I began to be more present in the workplace, I led a, a large group and I was a, a senior strategic leader at General Mills. And I began to notice when I could make those conscious choices, there were meetings that I didn't attend anymore. There were projects that I listened more deeply to all of what was here for me to listen to, including my uh, intuition, my wisdom, uh, my emotions, that I was, I was more conscious of things I would feel uh, in the room. And all of that's very valuable, critical information for leadership excellence is to bring everything you've got. You know, Ellen, one of the things that I had become very clear to me was the changes that are needed in the kind of leadership we need, whether we're talking about leading in our communities or leading in a global organization, we simply can't expect excellence from leaders when we're not training all of our capabilities of our mind. So we're very analytically trained. We're very trained in the universities to do analysis. And we're beginning to see that training expand now but we're, there's so many more capabilities of our mind that are here for us to train that will enable us to make those excellence choices. And I just want to add one thing because we didn't get to the fourth quality. I was, I was, just, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking <laughs> the other element of the mind is the yeah. heart. And go ahead, yeah. let's go with compassion. Yeah, so you know already that in many Asian languages, mind and heart are the same word. They are. And compassion being the fourth fundamental quality of leadership excellence. So compassion, the way we use it in, uh, in finding the space to lead and in the Institute's curriculum, compassion is about understanding. Understanding what's here, understanding the difficulties, understanding the suffering, and noticing the pull to do something about it when we can, or to be supportive in some way, even if the best support, which it often is, is to simply listen well. Uh, and it begins with self-compassion, which I have found the best leaders are really terrible at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sad, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And yet, like many things, our ability to be compassionate toward others is really very directly related to our ability to be compassionate toward ourselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so understanding ourselves well enough, understanding other people on a very deep level. So this isn't about, um, you know, the perfunctory, how are you today, and not hanging around long enough to hear anything other than fine. This is really about, we're talking about a, a connection that's made when you actually have a conversation with someone and you're open-hearted about it and you make time for someone and you're respectful and inclusive or understanding yourself and understanding where the suffering is for you and the steps you can make to be gentle with yourself and not harsh, critical voice. It's so crucial, and, and as you're speaking, I'm, I'm kind of out there in, in, where people are listening to us, and I'm, I'm feeling people say, yes, you know, I want this. Yes, I want to be more compassionate with myself. And, and I'm struck by 
mindfulness as a practice, you know, mindfulness is out there in the world a lot these days, but practicing it is, is work. And uh, it's called a practice because we, we do have to practice it. And as we practice, we get better at it. And I want to just have this conversation about the importance of practicing, even in like, as you talk about those purposeful pauses, because we start to discover more things about ourselves, our inability to sit with ourselves, our noticing our own judging mind and our own closed hearts, and, and then having practicing just being with that. And it, it is something we can all learn because we all are human and we have it inherently within ourselves. And that's the beauty of, of your book and your program, I find. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, there, it does require practice. It's a training. Just as we know, there are innate capabilities of our body. And if we train our body, even in simple ways like walking, we can make our body stronger and more resilient and more flexible. Well, we now understand from our neuroscience folks that if we train our mind in this way, our mind has the ability to become more focused and more clear and more creative and more able to embody compassion. And it does take practice and it takes a routine kind of practice. So practicing for an hour on Saturday isn't as good as practicing 10 minutes every day. So if you can find 10 minutes, that's the doorway in, and that's what we try to lay out in finding a space to leave. 10 minutes once or twice a day to begin with, and some purposeful pauses. You're going to brush your teeth anyway. Make it training. <laughs> right, and you can do that. I like that little practice of free parking, having a, a book mm -hmm. by your, on your yeah. desk where you get to just let your mind wander and speak to yourself or put things down. Yes. yes. So could you just, you offer programs to corporations, organizations, individuals. Can you talk a little bit about any upcoming programs or retreats you might be having or, or how people can learn more about uh, engaging with you at this level about sure. mindfulness and leadership? Sure, I would love to. So we have many programs coming up in 2014. We have some programs uh, coming that are on the East Coast. So we have one just for nonprofit leaders in New York. So we, and that is subsidized by the Eileen Fisher Foundation. So we're very happy to be able to make that available, very affordably available to nonprofit uh, employees. We have one that's available for senior uh, leaders that's coming up in April called Cultivating Leadership Presence Through Mindfulness. That's the retreat that is the most intensive one that the Institute offers. And it's actually going to be the 25th time that I will be teaching that retreat mm. in April. And we have leaders who attend that from all around the world. So it's also just a, a, a wonderful way to be in the company of other leaders mm. from for-profit, non-profit, military. I mean, we've had captains and major generals and uh, government uh, chiefs of staff. And uh, so a wide variety of people in influencer positions. And that's in April. Uh, and then we also are offering uh, some retreats in Minnesota and Canada and Australia. So, uh, but You're people busy. Like, we're busy, yes. The Institute is busy. I have wonderful colleagues that uh, are also instructors with the Institute. 
And uh, organizations that are interested in this should just go to our website and contact us because we customize workshops and retreats for organizations as well. Yes, and if you want to learn more about Janice Martirano's work, you can buy her book called Finding the Space to Lead, and I think it's on the bookshelves and the e-shelves out there in cyberspace. And if you yes. want to, is that correct? It is, yes. It's definitely uh, out there in audible form as well. Oh, fantastic. And congratulations. That just came out a couple of weeks ago, I believe. Yeah, just last week. Wonderful. <laughs> and if you want to learn more about the Institute for Mindful Leadership or any of the upcoming courses, trainings, or retreats that Janice just spoke about, you can go to their website, Institute for Mindful Leadership, that's all one word, dot org. Janice Mortorano, thank you so much for the work that you're doing out there and transforming our leaders, and uh, thank you for being with us on Health Currents Radio. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. I just find it so inspiring to talk with people who are taking mindfulness into other dimensions, and this aspect of leadership is so crucial, just as Janice said, because those of you out there trying to make something happen, we need to take that place, that moment, those times to, to really take care of ourselves and cultivate ourselves within. And I think that mindfulness really offers us the opportunity to connect, to practice, to cultivate, to care for ourselves, and then extend that care out into the world with whatever we are doing. Because when we care for ourselves and build our own resiliency, our own happiness, our own sense of purpose, that's what really ripples out to the people that we come in contact with. I mean, we can feel it when someone's in the room and they're connected to themselves, they're inspired, they, they're connected with their purpose, even if the purpose is just in that moment of making you an extraordinary meal or talking with you and really listening to what's going on in your life. So our world needs each of us. It needs each of us resilient and clear and energetic and as connected to ourselves as we can be and as compassionate with ourselves as we can be when we can't be connected and when we forget to care for ourselves. So sit down and take a breath and just enjoy this moment because there's so much potential deep inside each of you, each of us, and there are proven ways we can access it. So I just urge all of you to connect to whatever resource you can, to take whatever purposeful pause you can at any time and just savor the moment. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening and look forward to having you listen in again on Health Currents Radio. Thank you.